I'm sure you're all pretty familiar with the Christmas story. And I was thinking about it this week, and, and it struck me, it struck me with great force that uh, if I were God, I would have done things a little differently. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, it would never have occurred to me to think, Mark, that you might be God. I'm sure that's occurred to you. But, but honestly, most of us, if we think about it, if we, if we stop and think, you, you'd probably agree with me, like if you were the omnipotent, so all-powerful creator, and uh, you'd made this world that you loved so dearly, and you'd put people in it who were just the most fabulous, treasured possession that you had, you just loved them, and they'd really mucked it up, right? They'd stuffed it up big time. And if you were this God this powerful God, and, and you had one shot to fix things up, right? You were like, man, I, I love this world, I love these people, so I'm going to come and I'm going I'm to show them how to f- make the world work properly and I'm going to heal the world and I'm going to change the world, I'm going to come. Uh, if you were God, how do you think you would have come? Because when I thought about that, I thought, you know, I'd probably come like in the 21st century, right? And you know, I'd come to a really powerful country, you know, you'd have to go to America, right? You'd have to. It's the, it's the global superpower. Whatever you think of the Americans, they rule the world. They really do. And you'd go to America and look, and you'd, you'd have to go, well, I don't know, who would you go to if you went to America? If you had one shot as God and you wanted to meet the most powerful, influential, uh, wise, wealthy person who could take this message and change the world, who would you go to? Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> I was like, I was struggling with that a little. I was like, Warren Buffett, maybe. I don't know, really. I, actually, I was thinking Bruce Springsteen. Um, but that probably says more about me. I've just been watching this Springsteen on Broadway show on Netflix, which is just brilliant for all the, those of you who are like me, you know, teenagers in the 80s. doesn't get much better than that. But so who would you go to? Uh, you go to someone rich and powerful, and you'd, you'd get the message out. But what's, what's amazing, actually, about Christ, Christianity and Christmas is it says that there is a great, powerful God who loves the world. But when he came to heal the world, he didn't come to the rich and the powerful nations and countries and people. I mean, he didn't even come in the 21st century. He came 2,000 years ago. That's the claim, right? Now, 2,000 years ago, there was a big global superpower the, the, who ruled the world, Rome. The Rome was the equivalent in uh, colonial uh, and terms as the U.S. is today, and they ruled the world. And he didn't go Rome. <laughs> he went. He went to the Jews. He went to Israel. That's like I don't know. It's like coming to coming to the world today and going to Rwanda. Like why? How weird. How insignificant are they? And in, in fact, not just insignificant, the Jewish people had had, you know, a thousand years of following God and being disobedient and being oppressed and invaded and taken over and sent out in the exile. They were no one. They were nothing. And then in, in the midst of Israel, he didn't even go to the rulers of Israel. In the story in Luke, we see in, in Luke chapter 2, I, I was thinking and meditating on it, and I thought that he goes to three different sorts of people. The first group he goes to are the shepherds. Now we think of shepherds as, I don't know, what do we think? When you think of a shepherd, what do you think of? 
nativity plays and cute little kids dressed up and it's all lovely and genteel. Shepherds in Jesus' day, that was like, a shepherd was a cross between a, uh, a garbage collector and your local drug dealer, right? A low status job with someone that you didn't trust. That's what shepherds were like. They were, they were not particularly well thought of at all. They lived out in the bush looking after sheep. They weren't trusted. You didn't, you didn't grow up going, man, when I grow up, I want to be a shepherd. You, know? you, you ended up as a shepherd if something really bad happened to you in your life. And he goes, the angels go to the shepherds to say, hey, guys, we've got great news for you. And the, no one ever tells the shepherds the news first. They get it last because they can't read and they're a little slow and they're out in the bush with the sheep anyway. They get the news first. Whoa. Wow. What's God up to? And then when you read uh, the rest of chapter 2 of Luke, which we haven't read tonight, but you go there, there's the other person who gets this news and who sees the baby is um, Simeon. Now, Simeon's fascinating. You, Simeon has this prayer of response. And Simeon, now Simeon you could understand God going to talk to and God showing up for Simeon because Simeon was a devout and righteous man, much like you all, apart from the man. I don't want to prejudge, but I'm figuring not all of you fit that category, right? You, but you're devout and righteous. You're here on Christmas. You could be doing something else, but you're here and, and you're all pretty, you know, I saw you coming in, you know, you're pretty well put together people. And that was him. High status, would have been very well thought of, was probably fairly affluent and he was at church all the time. So, so it's not just that God sends his message to the shepherds who are the irreligious, poor untrustworthy people. He also sends the message to the religious people. And, and that's, that's really important, right? I'll tell you why. Because sometimes we can think, you know, religion, spirituality is a crutch for the shepherds. It's a crutch for the weak and those who've messed up their lives. And, and those of us who haven't made too, obviously, uh, too obvious a public spectacle of our failures... Uh, those of us, we can look down on those people and go, well, you know, it's right, religion, you know, and I get it. If, you, if you've got to be an Alcoholics Anonymous or, you're, you, you know, you've, you've got some mental illness or you've, you've had some great relational tragedy or maybe that Christianity's for you, God's for you, but I don't need it because I'm, I'm good. And you know what? God comes to Simeon and he's full of joy, Right? That's what happens because even a religious person, even a good person goes, you know what, it's actually incredibly good news that the creator of the world, this God, has come to me because uh, here's the thing, hey, I, I guess you know this, but I just want to highlight it. All our religion and all our having our lives together, we know that, that our righteousness, our goodness is like, you know, it's skin deep. <laughs> you scratch beneath the surface and even though... Even the righteous religious people, you know, we're, we're a mess as well. I'll give you one example. Uh, those of us who've got our lives sort of together, we're particularly prone to one particularly unattractive kind of sin. Do you know what it is? It's kind of religious pride. <laughs> we look at the shepherds and we go, I'm not like that. I'm in church. 
I've got a good job, got a good education. I used to be, here's the thing, right? I'll tell you something about it. I, I used to be proud. Can you believe that? And, 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 then, and then, you know, I came to church a whole lot and I worked on it. And, uh, and I'm not proud like other people anymore. It's, it's quite remarkable. You too, if you could be like me as well. See what happens? <laughs> you take a good thing like, let's be humble. And you work at it in your religious thing. And then you discover you're caught in the, you become proud about being humble. And so it's a mess, right? So it's good news that God comes to Simeon. The religious guy, the devout guy. You know what? He also goes, there's this beautiful little vignette in Luke 2. Um, Anna. Anna's in the, she goes to church a lot. She's in the temple all the time. And Anna's a widow. And she's in her 80s. And she's been widowed for over 60 years. You know, she was married to her husband uh, for five years, and now she's been widowed. Uh, she's been widowed for over sixty years. And you go, well, that's tough. Well, well it, no, it really is tough. Like in the ancient world, to be a widow was to live on the margins of society, on the boundary of starvation and death, because there was no social safety net. She'd been married for such a short period of time, there's no indication she had children. And so childless widow for 60 years, living as a, a devout woman, but, but fragile, marginalized, lonely, always, on the, always having to live on the handouts of others. And God came to her. That's cool. That's cool. I don't know if you believe in God, but even if you're not sure about whether you believe in God, wouldn't you want to believe in a God who took the time to visit an Anna? Like, I wouldn't want to believe in a God who only wanted to visit the presidents and the prime ministers and the kings and the queens and people who had it all together. I, I, isn't it great even if you don't believe in a God, wouldn't you want to believe in a God who, who showed up for an Anna? <laughs> I want that. Because you know as well, uh, most of us are only one or two steps away from being an Anna. We think we've got it all together. But you know our hold on life is really pretty fragile. It doesn't take too many steps to end up homeless. Mental illness relational tragedy, loss, grief, all kinds of things can come upon us. And you go, you know, it's great. No matter who you are, you can be a shepherd. You can, I don't, I don't know if we've got any shepherds here. You can, you know, drug dealing garbos who, you know, you could be someone who's right out there, looked down on. You could be someone who's super religious. You actually have it all together outwardly. And you could be someone who's just fragile and vulnerable and broken but is here with a heart that longs for God. And the Christmas story is there's a God who comes to every kind and sort of person because he's a God of love. He's a God of love. And, he, and God's love doesn't discriminate. And when he comes in the person of Jesus, he comes for all of us. <laughs> and it's the most extraordinary thing.
So I, I find it interesting sometimes that people don't want to be in a relationship with this God because I think, and I, and I find it interesting in my own life, I think, why, why don't I want more of a relationship with this God? Because if, if this is what God is like, oh my goodness, wouldn't I want more and more and more and more of this love in my life? Wouldn't you? Don't you want that? That's what Christmas is about. <laughs> and I hope and I pray that God will give me grace to visit me afresh this Christmas. <laughs> because if I'm really honest, which I tend not to be, <laughs> just putting it out there like too much honesty, not a good thing. Um, if I'm really honest, I'm a little bit of a, I'm a, little bit of a shepherd because I've stuffed up. I'm a little bit of a Simeon because I can be righteous and religious and proud. And I'm a little bit of an Anna because under all of this, I'm fragile and broken, scarred, betrayed, hurt, just like all of us. So it's good news. It's wonderful. It's brilliant. And it's for me. It's for you. What could be better? Let's pray. Our Lord, uh, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for coming to the shepherds, to the Simeons, to the Annas, to us. Help us to welcome you into our lives, to know more of you, to be filled to overflowing with your love this Christmas. Amen.